Endless Voyager Radio, self-development radio for the open mind. Interviews with leading edge authors and speakers, psychic phenomena and the unexplained, UFOs, extraterrestrial encounters, government cover-ups, alternative health care, new technologies, and now, Bruce Stephen Holmes for Timeless Voyager Radio. All right, Bruce Stephen Holmes, Timeless Voyager Radio. And if you've been listening to Timeless Voyager Radio, then uh, you um, had heard a very, very interesting talk about the uh, mysteries of the Egyptian Sphinx and the uh, Pyramid in Giza. Um, we uh, have a very, very interesting guest that was on the last hour, Dr. Zahi Hawass, who has uh, decided to uh, stay with us, and we're very happy to have him on. Um, I'm wondering if uh, Mr. Gad is also going to be with us. Is that uh, possible? He will be soon. He went uh, stepped out by something. And All right. Soon. Great. Uh, so what we what we can do is let's review a little bit about the uh, information that we we talked about because there are a lot of people who have just tuned in uh, from other parts of the country in this second hour. Uh, but I do want to I do want to just kind of review very quickly. Now you are the director of the Great Pyramids, and it's your job there then to uh, make sure that uh, everything that is done near the pyramids or by the pyramids or for the pyramids, I guess ha people have to check with you first. Yes. You know, I'm, uh, I mean, it's not only the pyramids of Giza, but there is other sides of pyramids. Yeah. Uh, now, people don't know. How many pyramids are there actually there? Uh, Ninety-six. Ninety-six? Yes. And it's not at Giza only we have, uh, like, uh, 11 pyramids, but you have the other pyramids going, going within maybe, say, 17 miles. Uh, and all of it desert area, which contain uh, sites called Abu Sir, which I'm in charge, and also Saqqara, which has the oldest step pyramid on Earth, uh, dated back to 5,000 years old. And we have the site called Dahshur, which has the two pyramids of Cube's uh, father. Now, how do people, who decides what method will be used to determine the age of the pyramid? I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, as a matter of fact, we just finished uh, a cooperation with uh, uh, an American uh, expedition from uh, Rent Institute in Chicago, taking samples from all the pyramids in Egypt, and there is new techniques now uh, known in Switzerland that that we took, you know, things like wood from the uh, b between the stones and things like that, and we are going to date the pyramids of Egypt by this scientific new method that's known as in Switzerland. And we just collected the sampling and we sent it to, Swiss, Swiss, uh, to Switzerland last week. So uh, now it, it's possible that some new information may come from that too? Of course. Of course. This is really something. We, 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 we are trying really to uh, use all this kind of new methods to find out ideas. You know, I don't believe on any theories that's not based on knowledge. Uh -huh. Everything has to be based on knowledge, not the imagination. Okay, that's one and, possibility. And the, how do you account for the fact that you know that you're here? Because uh, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering uh, how you would prove that. Okay, now the, I was just kind of like a little intellectual joke. The reason that I I, I said that though is because um, one of the things that happens when when people are are looking at a situation 
is that the way that they uh, measure the data uh, has to do with their interest in the data and, and uh, their ability to decide what will be measured and what won't be measured. Yeah. No, no, that's not true. We are, I really personally have an open mind and uh, I have been uh, lecturing to non-scientific groups and I always try to investigate to find out the truth and this is why well i like the idea that you that you have that because of course here on timel's voyager radio a lot of the information that we have is certainly not scientific but what i'm saying is i can't say you a theory just like the osiris is the backbone like father is saying and all this kind of things we don't really have uh, i believe in an ascribed knowledge or based on analysis okay. or excavations Sure. That proves, theory, uh, that proves evidence to state something. But wait a minute, wait, wait. I know, I know what you're saying, and I'm not going to get into a, to a, an argument with you, but I do want to state one thing. Dr. Hawass, we were talking about the scientific method, which uh, I, I certainly agree has been very important in, in, in the uh, Western world. Um, but I guess the question that uh, comes up all the time is, uh, basically, you have to finally interpret what the information means, don't you? Of course. Of course, when we have... And doesn't that uh, where, doesn't that, isn't that where your bias comes in? Yeah, yeah you know, if you, if you have information, you have to have interpretation of the information. And that's really what we're basing our uh, work since last uh, 15 years. I'm working around the pyramids, and we're trying. We're trying to prove even any theory. I mean, I have been uh, known uh, healing cases, the son of Edgar Casey, for a long time, and I was always... Uh, trying to help them and proving their theory, but uh, there was no theory. Which which it, theory was this? You know, uh, you you hear about Edgar Casey, right? Edgar uh, Casey, okay. Yes, and I have been known his son, Hewling Casey, died now. So about uh, maybe I met him 17 years ago, hmm. and uh, he believes that his father believes that underneath the right bow of the Sphinx there is uh, uh, the record from Atlantis. Uh huh. And we uh, brought kind of uh, Stanford Research Institute, and they did uh, uh, radar and sonar and the right of the Sphinx, and they proved that the Sphinx is uh, uh, a living rock or uh, nothing really underneath it. Hmm. Then what I'm saying here is I'm not, I don't have an, uh, a closed mind about the sure. theories. I try to investigate the theories and try to prove it. Well, but I like that. Okay. There is no evidence I can say mm -hmm. that uh, I have to talk about the theory, but the theories that we have now, and I'm talking about it as an Egyptologist, is uh, the information that we have through excavations and through all the discoveries that we're talking about, and also using, using technology and science in proving the age of the pyramid or the age of the Sphinx and other things. Okay, but now, and of course, that, that would be great for standard uh, <laughs> Western uh, thought, and there's nothing wrong with Western thought, but as I've stated uh, a, a number of times, you know, then we come into the, the idea of belief systems. You have to have a start point uh, about where, what you believe, and there must be a point where you believe something here. Yes, you know, I believe what I studied the books. I got my, my PhD on pyramids, and I studied pyramids for the last 20 years, and all the evidence that I'm saying is what the stones telling us and what the uh, uh, the sand of Egypt... That but how do you... Secret. Okay, and, and uh, uh, incidentally, whenever uh, uh, Fadl Gad comes in, he can feel free to jump in on the conversation. 
but but what I'm trying to say to you is now one of the things that I've always found to be kind of disconcerting for myself is that just because there's information written on the walls and people buried in the pyramids I'm still not sure that that can be a determining factor to prove anything for example I mean there's there's no reason why uh, you couldn't just uh, like what the pyramid was and, and, and decide that, that uh, by proclamation you want to be buried inside the pyramid. I mean, couldn't, couldn't a king do that? I mean, the king is, is, is uh, he built the pyramid. No, wait, 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 wait. You, you follow what I'm saying, though. Yeah. The king can, can order what's written down. I mean, no, he, I he could say that he, he built the pyramid, right? <laughs> I'm just, I know you're laughing, but I'm just, yeah, just but posing not, a point not, here. Not, I mean, listen, the, the sequence of the Egyptian history is not really... Uh, maybe one king will do that, but what's about the other kings? Well, wait, wait, what I'm saying is all we know about Egyptian history is what we get from written word. I don't know... I understand that there are uh, cuneiform-type uh, writings and, and lots of information. Yes, through the hieroglyphic language. Right. The question is, is that true? Of course, it is oh, true. No, wait, wait. That's what you believe, though, right? Yeah, but what others what others believe? What, what, what do you mean what I believe? What well, for example, I, have you ever read the works of um, uh, Zechariah Sitchin, who claims that the information from the Sumerian tablets... Who, who claims. Yeah, I, okay. There is I, a big difference between the word claim and the word fact. The fact is what we really... Not only what's written, but what we find. I mean, I'm excavating every day. I mean, there is things that we come by from the ground that uh, is not really the, the ancient Egyptian is not really the pyramid only, but there is other things that we see every day. That the language that we see, what we read, the excavation that we do, the discoveries that we have, it reveals and gives us information that built the history. All right. So let's go over then, according to your. Uh, information because you've you've got a certain amount of, of uh, scientific verification or at least validation or something there. So tell me, how long did it take to build the Great Pyramid? Twenty-three years. Okay, twenty-three years. That's a pretty short time based on what it is. So how many people do you believe were doing this work? Okay, now we we found the village of the workmen. We found the settlement uh, about two years ago that the workmen who built the pyramids lived in it. We found uh, evidence of the settlement, which is the oldest Old Kingdom settlement, and I believe, based on the size of the settlement, which is about three kilometers square settlement, that there was about uh, 25,000 people actually lived in the area, and those people, some of them were uh, moving stones, and some of them were doing the the cutting of the stones and things like that. And they were working in the rotation. But, and those people, they actually lived there, but there is others who come by from uh, uh, nearby sites, who come by in the, every morning, and they work because, as I said at the beginning, that the pyramid is a national project. Our theory before that we believe that the capital of Egypt was called Memphis, but we found evidence now that the king actually lived in the pyramid site. Now, wait a minute, wait, wait. So this is the one thing that scientists do that I always find to be, be interesting. Yes. As soon as a scientist finds out that they found new information, then they say, we thought this, but now we found out that it's really this, and then that's it. No one ever discusses it. No one ever says that they were right or wrong or anything. Now, historically, we see this change all the time. time. 
Yeah, but we change based on new knowledge that comes by. All right, if let me... If, if there is new knowledge, will come by. Anything else, we'll say it. Dr. Zahi Hawass, we are talking, and I'm actually probably arguing a little bit <laughs> <laughs> at this point. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I come from a different side of this, but, um, but, but the point, I guess, that I'm trying to make is that, you know, it's, it, it's, it's interesting how things change over the years, you know, and, and I, I, I understand that, that science is very, very hard to, to argue with, but on the other side of it, uh, science never, from, from what I understand, uh, apologizes for any of the uh, mistakes they've made. I mean, remember when they used to uh, talk about how uh, the gravity on the moon was one, uh, what, one-sixth or one-tenth of that of the Earth, and they found out that it wasn't, and they just said, oh, well, we just found that out. For 50 or for 100 years, people believed that, and it was written down okay. in books. Then what do you want to say now? What's your theory? Just tell me your theory. My theory. Hey, great. I have three minutes to tell you my theory. Okay, <laughs> how about this? This is not a theory. I'm not, this is not my theory, but I'm going to propose a theory. Okay. Okay. Propose a theory. Okay. Pre-cut stones were delivered by extraterrestrials to Egypt and assembled. Okay. That's it. That's it. And they were taught by an extraterrestrial civilization how to build this, put this puzzle together according to detailed maps that were created by a higher civilization. You know, I, I like that. And you know, you have in San Francisco here, you have a, a tower in the water. Do you know that tower? I just came up with that. I don't know. This. <laughs> uh, you know that this tower has been yeah. built by an Egyptian who live in the Delta? I didn't know that. Oh, this is my theory. <laughs> <laughs> Which tower was it? <laughs> Any tower. <laughs> Okay, now, now, okay, I understand what you're saying about theory. Okay. All right, now, what I'm going to ask you to do is, uh, in the next minute and a half, okay. <laughs> disprove what I said. Oh, <laughs> in the next minute and a half, disprove what you say. What you said, it doesn't need really a, a disprove because there is no proof. It's just saying. I know, but it's how can you prove? How, you told me, you, you say how the pyramids were, uh, how, how the stones were I cut, for example. I, I prove it actually. Okay. You know, I, I prove it actually with evidence. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm telling you, just okay. about two days ago, there is four men take a lid of a sarcophagus up only. Okay, now and the they lid. Used, they used the same techniques of the ancient Egyptian. Okay, the lid weighed how much? 16 tons. 16 tons, so roughly. Four people. The head of this people is a trained man that he knows how to move stones. So 32,000 pounds lifted by four people. How exactly. far? How far up? I mean, they're about maybe, say, like maybe 20 centimeters up. 20 centimeters. Okay. Yes. Now, let's get into the reality of it. How about a 60-ton rock being moved 75 feet and placed in a perfect match with another rock that weighed you at know, least that much. You know, my, my board operator just reminded me that we begged you to come back on the air, and then he felt like I was, I was being rude. Do you feel like I'm being rude? Uh, Dr. Hawass is not here at this oh. point, but this is Faddle back <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... Uh, now I have to reintroduce everybody. Okay, well, great. Uh, for those of you who, are, who have been listening, I was talking for a few minutes with Dr. Hawass. Uh, Fadl Gad is an archaeologist and inspector of antiquities for the Egyptian Department of Antiquities.
and uh, you are an Egyptologist. So what has been happening is that Dr. Hawass and I have been arguing, uh, <laughs> not arguing too much, but just a little bit, about theories. Well, hey, you know, you, you must uh, understand that he just arrived from Egypt a few hours ago, and uh, he just finished a lecture, so he was... But do you don't think that would change his agenda, do you? Yeah, he had a big jet lag, because right. the time... Uh, are you trying to tell me... Are you trying to tell me that he would change his philosophy because he was tired? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so then, so the point here, I guess, is that uh, uh, did he leave the program then forever? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, he, he just uh, actually he, he had to go to bed and he was okay. So he stepped. He's, he has stepped he was out. Struggling to stay awake. Okay. Well, then then my apologies to him if he felt I was being too hard on him. Uh, basically, what was happening was I was I was proposing. Uh, as a matter of fact, as we left the show, I proposed a theory. I proposed, for example, that uh, that extraterrestrials sent the pre yeah. pre cut stones. Did you hear this? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, I propose that the, the extraterrestrials sent the pre-cut stones to Egypt and taught the Egyptians how to put them together uh, in a uh, like, kind of like a puzzle. Yeah, well, I wish I, I could uh, find any to prove or to support your ideas, but you know... Oh, no, I wasn't trying to support it. What I was trying to do was support the possibility that, that no matter what anyone says, sure. it's a theory. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of theories too in Egyptology. There are many theories too. So everybody trying to find the evidence okay. to support the the fact. Let's take the, let's take a call and uh, and we'll all be caught off guard here. Sure. Uh, Joyce, uh, Santa Monica, California. Welcome to the show, Joyce. Hi. Thank you. This is a very interesting program. Um, I have a question for God, who <laughs> 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 knows everything. Um, I'd like to know if there are any similarities between that you've found between the Egyptian pyramids and other pyramids around the world. Well, the function of the pyramid, for example, in uh, I was in Machu Picchu uh, a couple of years ago, and I noticed that they have dedicated the pyramids to the sun and pyramids to the moon. Mm -hmm. And if we, you know, most of the scholars agree is that the pyramid is a sacred symbol of Ra, the sun god. So the function is very uh, much similar, and not only that, but there's great similarities between, uh, for example, the most uh, dominated legend of Egypt, which is the legend of Osiris and Quetzalcoatl. Mm -hmm. Osiris being the god of the green, the god of the tree, and uh, according to one of the myths that he, his brother killed him, and then uh, Isis uh, put him together in form of a tree, and we know that Quetzalcoatl also was found in a tree, for example, in the uh, Mayans' uh, mythology. So you can see here that there's a, a, a pattern in the mythology that runs in South America and uh, in Egypt. Uh, there, there are many similarities. Also, the Polynesian, for example, the Polynesian culture has also very sim similar mythology, too. Mm -hmm. And what, what, what do you uh, theorize about that? Well, I theorize that it, it, it looks as if, you know, it came from one source. Uh -huh. So if we, if we say there's uh, Atlantis, if we say there's another uh, place that all this came from one source, it's very supportive by archaeological evidence, as I said, in the mythology and the way the, the temples and the pyramids were built. Uh -huh. well, 
thank you very much. I hope to maybe make it to your um, symposium on Saturday. Oh, great. Okay, thank you. thank you very much. Thank you. All right, thanks for the call, Joyce. Um, Let's see, Fadel Gad is our guest, an archaeologist and an inspector, an Egyptologist, actually. Well, we'll take another call then. Jean, Jonesboro, Arkansas, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, how are you? Great. I had a couple of questions. Uh, one uh, had to do with the subject tonight, and the other one was just a, a more technical question about the address of something in a previous show. Yeah. But for the pertinent question, uh, I, I like to study um, history of like Egypt and, and India and yoga and things like that. And uh, I was wondering, um, I, one time I saw a uh, show and it showed some Egyptians doing some form of ceremonial stick fighting. And I was wondering if there was any connection of that that you knew of in some um, Hindi um, ceremonies that were dedicated to the uh, black mother goddess. Mm. No, I'm not really quite familiar with what you're talking about. Where did you see the Egyptian, uh, you said stick game or something like that? Yes, yeah, some sort of ceremonial like stick stick game. Uh, they were like uh, some kind of pseudo-combative, uh, quasi-combative ritual. Mm. I saw something similar in Egypt uh, called Kalari Payet. Mm. Um, and I knew that you were talking about the chakras and the yeah. acupuncture and all that. Yes. Um, I was wondering what your idea might be on the... Uh, on the connections between, like, you know, the Chinese uh, Qigong and yoga and ancient Egyptian culture, if there was any connection. Well, I, I can see some connections in terms of the yin and yang that is known, and, you know, that the universe is a composed of the yin and yang. Right. In the Oriental uh, philosophy, the Egyptians also have seen their land to be a composition of the yin and yang. We call it in Egyptology the upper and lower Egypt, which is another way of saying the yin and yang, because lower Egypt is the productive part of the country because of the delta, because of the fertile land, and so forth. And the god who's associated with that is Osiris. And then you have upper Egypt, which is very, which is very arid desert, and the, uh, hardly any vegetation. And the god who symbolizes that is Set. So Osiris it represents the side of the yin, and uh, uh, set represents the yang. So ah. We have here, and again, the ancient uh, philosophy of Egypt that everything is the composition of the yin and yang. The pharaoh who sits on the throne is believed to be a divine entity because he is the offspring or the outcome of that yin and yang. All right, John, thank you very much for the call. Okay, uh, back to uh, Fadl Gad. One of the things, I guess, that, that uh, comes to mind is uh, Zechariah Sitchin. I mentioned his name to Dr. Hawass, and uh, he was not that uh, intrigued with uh, Zechariah Sitchin. What is your uh, feeling? Well, uh, Zechariah Sitchin has uh, read some of his uh, books, like The Twelve Planets, uh, the only thing about Zechariah, he's trying to relate historical facts to the biblical uh, stories. And uh, we have to take, you know, the uh, biblical stories as a separate source of uh, information. It, it is symbolic events that happens in the Bible, in the Quran, in the Torah. Uh, but we cannot take those as historical facts. 
Now, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I thought that Sitchin's work was based on his translations of the uh, Sumerian tablets. Oh, uh, that that probably in another book that I have not read. But uh, yeah, uh, the Twelfth Planet. Are you talking about or the other books that he wrote? Well, the uh, the Twelfth Planet uh, certainly has oh, yeah. to has to do with the the Sumerian uh, construct of the universe. Uh, Genesis revisited all all of his. Break. I yeah. do agree with him to a certain degree when he mentioned that the the uh, that uh, the human species has been inter. By, uh, uh, but I, I mean, I, I think the, the point is that, that, uh, that Sitchin's uh, books were basically, uh, from my understanding, uh, about the uh, Sumerian viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And, and according to him, the Sumerian tablets were all information that was given to them by the Nephilim, the Nephilim coming from the planet Nibiru, mm-hmm. being extraterrestrial. And... Um, a lot of the mythological, quote-unquote, mythological figures that, that come up here on, on our, on the, in the planet here, uh, either uh, Egyptian or uh, from areas uh, in South America, uh, he claims were nothing more than these uh, uh, extraterrestrial beings whose life's, life, uh, their, their lives were, were 25,000 years long in, in, uh, in uh, Earth uh, years. So that would make anyone believe that they were a god. Yeah, well, I, I do agree that, uh, and everybody agrees that it's uh, uh, stupid and ignorant to think that we are the only intelligent being in this uh, big universe. So uh, there are, there must be other intelligence that uh, somewhere else, and uh, especially in other star systems, because uh, we know that there are billions of of other star systems. And uh, uh, even there are some of those star systems that uh, could have life and could have intelligent beings. So, but to relate that to Egypt, it is very hard because we're talking about archaeological facts here. I wish I could see any archaeological facts in Egypt to relate to that. Right. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the ceremonial rituals that you're familiar with. Well, we have, for example, the breeding ceremony that was uh, conducted by the high priest we call that in Egyptology the opening of the opening or the opening of the mouth and a certain breathing technique that can help to um, bring the people into their center of their beings um, that was you know you can see that represented in the Egyptian tombs and uh, also the the sound for example as a uh, as a way of healing in ancient Egypt. We know that Petah was the god of the sound, and uh, Petah represents, the, in Egyptian mythology, the creator of the mental thought forms. And um, he is, according to the philosophy of Memphis, which is the hometown of Petah, that Petah created man by his word. As, you know, like the Bible says today, first the word made flesh. That philosophy was in ancient Egypt more than uh, 3,000 B.C., more than 5,000 years ago. And he created man by his utterance or his speech. So uh, Petah here in Memphis represents the sound and the whole complex uh, that was designed by Imhotep, the genius architect who... uh, who built the step pyramid and uh, built the complex around it, 
was uh, quite familiar with the power of the sound as a technique for uh, healing. So bottom line, I mean, when, we, when you, uh, I guess at this point in your life, uh, have studied so much and, and, and looked at so many possibilities, what are your feelings now about uh, these great structures? Well, you see, I'm quite uh, contrary uh, from Dr. Hawass. I'd like to uh, check and to study the other possibilities, and I dedicated a lot of research and a lot of work for, you know, for the other possibilities. And uh, to look at the pyramids and to say they are just merely a tomb based on a few indirect inscriptions, whether the graffiti in the king chambers or um, in the King's Chamber in the Great Pyramid, or uh, the graffiti that was found in, in the Tomb of the Workers, as Dr. Hawass calls them, the uh, workers who built the Great Pyramid. And you heard me uh, uh, interrupting him, asking him if any one of those titles says, the, you know, the Great Pyramid of Khofu. And he said, no, the, uh, the, the pyramid. And I said, there are 99, 96 pyramids in Egypt. And if you say a pyramid, you cannot just mislead uh, the audience and say uh, the Great Pyramid because it's a jumping into conclusion that is does not really exist. So the bottom line is that I do believe that those pyramids are a higher purpose and those superstructures is just not really true. Okay. Well, let's see. We have one. Well, we have two calls. I don't know if I can get them both in. We'll try. D. West Palm Beach, Florida. Welcome to the show, D. Yes, good morning. It's two in the morning here. I know. I'm not a pure scholar, but I've studied a great deal about Egypt, and I'm going to have the privilege of spending a month there this April. And I want to also tell the gentleman that I will thank the Tourist Bureau for all the wonderful free maps and museum times and tours and all that they provided me to be able to go there. And I have all the geographic um, tapes, and I saw the, the tape on the tombs, and in fact, I own it. That way they open the shaft. I'm anxious to see what's behind the door also. And um, I've been wondering, <clears throat> and I saw the, also the tape about the burial grounds, and I've been curious about the Sphinx, and I think I heard him mention that they saw a shaft in the Sphinx like they did in Khufu's, and I'm wondering... Is there a possibility, which I've been wondering about, that maybe before they even made burial sites of the pyramids, that somebody might be buried in, in the Sphinx? And if he thinks that so, who is it? <laughs> All right, thanks for your call, Dee. We, we, don't, we didn't have any uh, evidence that somebody was buried in, in the uh, Sphinx. But we do have some shafts on both sides of the Sphinx that was used as a tomb for Osiris, but those are from the late Egyptian history, from especially from the uh, 26th or 25th dynasty, that somebody made a symbolic tomb for Osiris in that uh, side, and on both sides of the Sphinx. All right. Uh, Steve, I, Lamont, Vermont, welcome to the show, Steve. Yeah, hi. I also wanted to ask about, I read recently in the front section, in front of the Sphinx, through some infrared means, they found chamber which they didn't know existed before and i was wondering if that's so have they done anything to determine what it is all right thanks for your call steve uh, unfortunately dr hawass left but uh, those uh, were the uh, work that was conducted by uh, john anthony west and chuck uh, from uh, boston 
and uh, the Egyptian Department of Antiquities, they uh, decline that there is anything, uh, you know, was in there. But as you heard earlier on the show that uh, Dr. Hawass said that just they found a passage inside uh, the, uh, actually on the left ball of uh, the Sphinx, there's a passage there that they're going to open that next month. They don't know if it's a chamber or anything of that sort, but uh, at least there is evidence of kind of a shaft in there that we were not familiar with that even all right. Thank you so much, Dr. Hawass, who is not with us right now. I want to appreciate. I want to say that I appreciate the fact that he came on the show after two years, uh, two hours of uh, being just outside of Egypt. And Fadl Gad, Egyptologist, thank you very much for being on the show. Also, thank you.